Welcome to the Big Self Podcast. We are so happy to have you with us here. We are practicing adaptability, podcasting whenever we're able to do it here. We're actually practicing what what we're preaching. Shelly, great to have you in the house. Hi. Hey, everyone. Yeah, we're practicing adaptability in a big, big way. Yeah. 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 Like, like, tell to everybody what, like, what's going on all around us. Well, I mean, like with the rest of the world, right? So the big thing for us is uh, sending kids back to school this week amidst COVID-19. What could go wrong? (laughs) And uh, we had originally decided that we would enroll our kids in the homeschool option for our school district. And wouldn't you know, just a couple days ago, (laughs) uh, two of the three of our children asked if they could, in fact, go to school. You wanted to opt back in. Which is great. And I think that's a fine idea. It makes me a little nervous. Um, But we're we're rolling with it. And so we have spent the last couple days scrambling to try to get them up to speed and ready and school supplies and, and a all couple those of them fun things have started this very day. Yeah. So, so they are yeah. upstairs on zoom calls as we speak. So, <laughs> so there's just a lot like everybody, right? Yeah. I know y'all are going through it too. We're all just taking in constant influx of data and information and doing our, our very best to integrate it and, you know, keep moving forward. Well, before we dive into adaptability here with our uh, definition, uh, our our APA definition. Oh, and you even knew to say APA. <laughs> what does APA stand for, Chad? Well, I've got it right in front of me. I can't lie. <laughs> the American Psychological Association. Very yeah, good. Yeah. Well, let's just say it. How do they define adaptability since we're right here on this topic? Well, they define it as the capacity to make appropriate responses to changed or changing situations, the ability to modify or adjust one's behavior in meeting different circumstances or different people. And I, I've said this before and I want to say it again. I really do think that people that have had, have a high degree of adaptability really rank among the high, the happiest people that I know. Interesting. Yeah, like, and I, I think there actually is data around adaptability and life satisfaction. Those tend to go together um, in a, some type of correlation that it, that I think is really interesting. So the more adaptive we are, the greater chance of having some life satis- greater life satisfaction. Well, we have five questions that we want to ask you to for you to just kind of self. like self-evaluate maybe on a scale of one to 10, like how would you rate yourself with some of our questions? Um, I think we actually may have six. Oh, did you throw in an extra one? Well, more value in content (laughs) for our audience, but uh, no, seriously, even before we hop into that, Shelly. So basically you just said that you've said they're, they're, you know, the most, the most adaptive people, you know, might rank as, what the 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 happiest well, higher life satisfaction because the skills that you need in order to be adaptable are very much the skills that you need to be resilient kind of enjoy you which enjoy is, your life kind of take in what's coming at you not hold things too rigidly and so those it's the skill sets that you need for both of those are very similar 
I have a question. Yes. Uh, so does that mean that, I mean, so adaptability, do you think that some people come by it like sort of just like by their, their predisposition their maybe they're, they're more chill or is it like a real, like self-aware, took a ton of work type of skill. I know we're just speaking, generally speaking, but are these people that you're thinking of, are they just kind of, they just kind of are naturals? So like most things, it's both, <laughs> right? So it's, there is a certain temperament of people that are the kind of go with the flow people. Uh, that doesn't yeah. necessarily mean that they're practicing adaptability, though. Yeah. It might be more of a laissez-faire, just kind of like, don't rock the boat. Okay. And that is a certain, t I, I would, you know, we know personalities like that, that are just more of a type, uh, type B is that right? Type B well, personality you, where you just kind of react or respond to things going on around you. And that doesn't necessarily mean you're adaptive. Adaptability skills can be taught. And so no matter yes. if you're a type A kind of high, high expectations, high drive person, you can still learn the same skills. Okay. Um, Even if they don't come naturally to you. I bet you have an Enneagram number for a super adaptive type. <laughs> Can I take a guess? Yes. Nine. Yay! Yay! Those peacemakers. Yeah. They are, um, they're called the mediators in, yeah, for in a know, reason. certain schools of thought. So they are really good, um, not just adapting, but kind of morphing into what they believe the other person needs and wants from them. So it really is a superpower for, for the type nines. Yeah. And all, all mixed in with all of this podcasting and kids at, at home starting school, uh, we are, you know, launching our, uh, website with, uh, our cart. So many things are happening where, you know, our books are getting into distribution. So lots of, lots of exciting things to be announcing. Uh, but I won't say anything more about it because it's just not quite oh, you're ready. Teasing. I'm teasing. You're teasing. That's right. Yeah. All right. There's a lot. And I, I do, someone just asked me this morning, actually, it's like, how are you? You know, and you give the proverbial, I'm good. I'm good. And she's like, how are you? <laughs> she you're did like, the Oh, you're going to do that with me. And I really mm. did. I was like, I, it's kind of chaos right now. And simply because you and I've been talking about this topic, we're podcasting about it. Yeah. I'm thinking about it a lot. I am trying really hard to be mindful of how can I just be adapting right now and like being a little bit more resilient, kind of leaning into what's chaotic and uncomfortable. Um, yeah. And I, you know, this is stuff that we talk about a lot. And so I'm aware that it's really challenging. This is really hard because I, I want to get pissed off and go pour vodka tonic and sit on my back porch and kind of like <laughs> throw a temper tantrum. Like this is too much. Yeah. So I'm, we are pre practicing very much what we're, what we're talking about. So. Yeah. I mean, we spend a lot of time with each other and we're trying to be patient with each other and do this, <laughs> yeah. do this thing. Yeah. What does adaptability look like <laughs> in a marriage where you're together literally 24 seven? Oh boy. 
for six months. <laughs> yeah, uh, absence <laughs> makes the heart grow fonder. Uh, we met, we might need to get out of the yeah, house. That's a another. Bit. That's another episode. Yeah. Uh, okay. So some of our questions that you can ask yourself to discover and discern just how adaptive you think you might be. Uh, so the very first one that we're throwing up there, because I think it's a little bit of a surprise, is how willing are you to stick with things? Yes, that does have to do with adaptability because, okay, so we did mention that adaptability is, it's closely related to resilience. It's not just a synonym. I think some people use it that way. It's closely related to resilience uh, as well as perseverance. So resilient people, they stick with things. Yeah, I think the thing is about adaptability, it's kind of like, it's not just throwing everything out and just going with whatever is coming at you. It's not throwing out uh, priorities and values and um, th things that, that you you do you have wrestled with, you have persevered with. And so it's this weird yeah. combination of being adaptive and kind of like moving uh, fluidly around stuff that's coming at you and also being willing to discern what you need to hold on to and be true to. And so that's, you know, adaptability kind of lives in the tension of both of those things. And so, um, yeah, I, I like that question. I think it does speak to grit. You know, it speaks to this, uh, ability to really stick with something that you believe in, that you, uh, that it's core to who you are and you, that those kinds of things you can't adapt your, you can't adapt to. Right. So how well do you keep going even when the going gets tough? Um, you know, it's, it's a question of focus as well. It's a question of discipline. Um, how, 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 how well can you say self motivate to complete a task or a project? I think those are good questions. So, um, and, and then if you are able to answer that question, what, you know, to the degree to which you can, as a consequence, you're going to be more adaptable because you cope better with with setbacks and rejection. You're more resilient. You're going to be more adaptive. Yeah, and I think that that people that you know think about this first question, they've done the work to decide what they are willing to be adaptive with and mm. what they are not being willing to be adaptive with. Um, and, and I, you know, when I was struggling for a very long time professionally, and I, you know, I had a a, a wake up call where I was like, I've kind of abandoned some of my values that are me. So I'm not yeah. really me right now. I, and so I those are things that I think, you know, we have to be careful, like to adapt too much or to for like let go of I projects that, that are really important to you. Yeah. Um, Cause that's not adaptability. That's, uh, that's just like a false kind of letting go or a false kind of uh, that's avoiding a, conflict. That's, maybe that's where boundaries need to come in. Uh, a re a reassessment of values. I mean, I did the same thing, you know, um, getting hyped up and in, in, in other fields at times, jumping on certain bandwagons. Next thing you know, you kind of come up for air and you're like, where have I been? Yeah. I think that's a good point though. That's not what we're talking about when we talk about adaptability. Yeah, but yeah. It, but anyway, so stick. How how well do you stick with things? What's an, what's the second question? All right, number two. How willing are you to have an open mind? Oh, okay. So that has to do with uh, the opposite of rigidity. Mm -hmm. How how fluid 
um, are you with things like that? We expect things to go a certain way, right? Yeah. Um, so the thing that this makes me think about is the fixed versus growth mindset right? Uh, that Carol Dweck uh, did all of her research around from Stanford University. And it really, it, it does speak to this, um, you know, the power of being, of, of learning, of being open, of being uh, receptive. Like that's really kind of the cornerstone of adaptability. And where, you know, fixed mindset, you have this desire to look smart. Um, and that leads to, or, or look anyway, you know, like I have to be this. And so that sends you down a path of you avoid challenges, you give up easily, you don't see opportunities. When things get hard, you, you kind quit. of, yeah. Yeah. So you, you don't take criticism well. Yeah. A growth mindset where like the, the goal of a growth mindset is to learn. So people that have a growth mindset see setbacks as something that's there to teach them. So they embrace challenges. They persist in the face of setbacks. They see effort as a path to mastery. So this is that open openness uh, versus closed-mindedness. And so this is, I think that this is a good evaluation for you to do. Uh, of course, you can Google fixed mindset, growth mindset, and there's some quizzes online that you can take and really see like where, you know, where do you, do you see, see uh, an identity that you need to preserve and protect? Or do you see the life coming at you and lessons that you can be learning? When someone, uh, you know, has success, how do you respond to it? Do you celebrate it or do you feel envy and jealousy? Things like that. But, you know, it's yeah. so it, it does have to do with expectations. We expect things to go a certain way. And, you know, a lot of times they that that's not unreasonable. It's not unreasonable to expect the refrigerator to be working and the electricity be on. Like the, mm -hmm. there's certain very fundamental things that those are, but so everything can't be upended, but we should, as they say, expect the unexpected and be able to roll with that. It's similar to some of our um, yeah. other questions, such as question number three. We don't want to tease it out anymore, right? Question number three, we're ready. How willing are you to improvise? So nothing yeah. like a pandemic to get in the way of our well-laid plans. Well, this is really hard for those of us, me included, <laughs> who have s some perfectionistic tendencies, <laughs> not only of myself, but then projecting on to other people, which oh, you don't know anything about that, no, right? No, nothing, <laughs> nothing. Um, but yeah, but you're I not think, the most spontaneous person. Either. No, I'm not. No. And I, I'm really, I can be really critical. And so I think this, uh, this improvising is something I'm, I got to work at a little bit, even now, as we are in the middle, in the middle smack dab of launching a business. And I'm seeing so many things that, that we're starting to put out there. We're going to go live with our website. All this is happening. And I'm like, but it's not done. It's not perfect. <laughs> and so this, yeah. this kind of, uh, it goes against my, me, my nature in lots of ways. Um, but I know that's what I have to do. You have to improvise. You have to put, like, just keep kind of rolling and, and you take in new information, you iterate, blah, 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 all those things that we know, but it is really hard for some people, me, <laughs> because I want it to look and be and you know, so amazing and serve people so well. Would you say that you are more of an ant or a grasshopper? I don't even know what that means. 
Well, just if you had I to choose. I feel like that's very like Are you an ant zen. or a grasshopper? <laughs> I think I'm a grasshopper. Oh, I, I thought you were so self-aware. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not a grasshopper? I think you're way more of an ant. <laughs> yeah. Um, Why? Well, you know, ants, they're, they're, um, they're, they're, they're very methodical. Yes. I they're not, very, not they've colonized methodical. the planet for a reason. That's true. You know, they're everywhere, but like, um, anything that's over 15,000 elevation. And I think some parts of some deserts, um, but no, so they, because they, they're planners and they're, you know, they, they're very, they're, they're not spontaneous. That's, yeah. that's where it comes out. So, so what yeah. are you? Well, I think I, I'm, I err more on the grasshopper, <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh, I like, uh, but okay. more, but I mean, I think we're all blends, you okay. know, I'll yeah. have to think about that a little bit more. Okay. I don't feel like an ant. But either way, I think our point is that whether you are a planner or one that t tends to be more of thinking of yourself anyway as spontaneous, it's not all going to go your way either way. And I guess this too is about expectation management. So just be ready to improvise, yeah, right? And, I, and the degree to which you can do that I, I have is a such low expectations right now. <laughs> I do. do. Like, I think about that. Like, you need to improvise less when you just don't <laughs> expect that much. It's like, you know what? We're just going to, we're just rolling with it right now. Like, okay. I, I, I'm, I really, I mean, as hard as that is for me in some ways, in some ways, it's really liberating to give like zero shits. Like, it's just kind of, there's something about that that's, yeah. That is kind of nice. It's like a, it's like a new little jacket I'm trying on here. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to remember that next time you start cracking the whip. Uh, some deadlines are getting passed or something. Oh, that's true. That's next week. Uh, let's see. So that's question number three. Why don't you uh, deliver question number four? Are we on four or five? Yeah, okay. Four. How would you rate your flexibility cognitively, emotionally, dispositionally. Yeah. We're not talking about like how well you can maybe touch your toes. We are talking about a kind of an, an exercise, the gymnastics of stretching yourself, the inner work. So I, what do we mean? What do you mean by the cognitive, emotional and dispositional? Yeah. So cognitive flexibility is when you have the capacity to use different thinking strategies. So different, different mental frameworks, you are able to kind of come at uh, whatever is happening at you, at throwing, coming your way, that thinking about it in different ways. You can, ha can participate in some perspective taking. And so this is, uh, you know, th just thinking about things differently from different angles. Is that the most important of, of the three? Uh, I know I'm putting you on the spot. That's a good question. That's, that's hard to... I, um, mm, well... I can't say that it is, though. Okay. No, because mm -mm. well, I, I honestly think emotional um, flexibility, adaptability, perhaps is the most potent. That's the degree to which you are adaptive with dealing with your own feelings. Always start with yourself, right? And and the feelings of others. Yeah. So the thing is with emotions that it, it doesn't sit in our kind of rational brain. So we feel things. And we don't even really know why sometimes, or we can't put language to it, or we can't access 
um, what to do with it because it is this kind of non-cognitive experience. And so if you can master, quote, your emotions and learn to be flexible with them, that is a huge superpower. That's emotional You're intelligence. Right. Yeah. But I'm going to, I don't know if this just becomes a semantics thing, but I have to be sort of cognitively aware in the first place that I'm having an emotion that I don't know what's going on. Well, and that's, you are, you've got a lot of head type in you, a lot of cerebral. So you're going to come at emotions by thinking about them. Whereas like I come at emotions, total experience. Like sometimes I'm like, what? is happening like why am i so irritable right now or why i'm so pissed off or why am i crying yeah and i i am feeling a, it yeah an emotion and i have to really i have to get to the thinking well that's that's what i'm saying is this thinking is how you arrive at sort of like so, i'm going to bring it into consciousness but do you know you're, do you experience the feeling before you think about it yeah recently oh you do okay. yeah recently i had that i was cleaning out the garage and you hadn't told me to do it. It wasn't one of those honeydew things. I was do I was cleaning out you the made garage. Me sound like this, no, like no, 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 but it's like you know a lot of the whip. no, a lot of um, wives might be like, "Will you please?" You know, it's just a maybe. I'm gotcha. just I'm just adhering to stereotypes or something. Okay. But I was uh, I was just kind of anxious one evening, and I was cleaning out the garage, and then I was suddenly just kind of I was a little irritable, but I was like mostly just kind of down and like melancholic even though I was organizing and really kind of feeling good about that. Mm -hmm. And I was really like, I became aware of like, I am like down for no particular reason. And I was thinking about it and thinking about it. Yeah. So this is why your question of which is most important is hard to answer Yeah. because if you need all of them, right? So you had an emotion Yeah. like emotional flexibility requires that you, you, um, metabolize the emotion, right? That you can flexibly kind of move through it to something more constructive yeah. or you can sit with it and just kind of let yourself feel what you're feeling. But that requires some cognitive processing too. So you can't really like, you know, to be a whole functioning person, you have to have both. Okay. Fair enough. Right. Uh, dispositional sounds like, you know, it's very, formal multi-syllabic word, but it basically just means your, your disposition, you know, how, um, can you remain, basically I think of it as, can you remain optimistic while framing it within realistic expectations? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can you see high uh, hopes, low expectations or something? Yeah. Well, and like, are your feet on the ground, yeah. right? Are you, are you grounded? Do you, do you kind of get like what's going on around you? You see it clearly while also having hope and having an, a dispositional or like an optimistic kind of attitude about things will go well. And I have some personal agency in making things go either go well or yeah. changing my attitude around yeah. that to be more, to stay more optimistic. Yeah. I think that I, 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 so some things come more naturally than others. I think that one, um, just, I, I kind of fall into that. Yeah. Yeah. I think you do. I th you know, the, the whole optimism, pessimism spectrum, like, you know, where do people fall on that? We do know people with higher degrees of optimism, which can also be taught, which are these skills that we will be teaching in our school. Yeah. Um, they do like they fare better in emotional health, physical health. They get sick less. 
Like there's all kinds of really good stuff to support. Like maybe you should think about being an optimist. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of beneficial. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, so question number five, apparently we do have six questions cause you did throw in one other really yeah, good one. This we'll is get our to. fifth one. Fifth, number five, you read it. How creative are you at problem solving? Yeah. Yeah. That's a I good mean, one. there is a lot of research out there that people who are able to come up with solutions to problems, they're be- better able to cope with the problems in the first place, you know, than yeah. those who, who can't. Yeah. Um, and that, I mean, it's, it's kind of as simple as that. It's, it's might seem like it's, um, the, uh, well, an improvisational thing, here's, but it's, here's the yeah. question of what's the opposite of being a problem solver. What, 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 do you, what is the word or what do you call somebody who is not a problem solver? Looking, Some, looking for problems. Someone, Oh, well, or someone who just is defeated by the obstacle, like right off the bat. Yeah. Which but would yes, go back to that fixed mindset right. a little bit. But I do think there are there are some people that have the mindset that um, bad things are going to happen to me. And so that kind of negative appraisal, negative bias that they have. And so if you have that kind of outlook, um, it's going to be hard to figure out solutions for that. Because it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. When you look for obstacles and problems and you expect them to come to you or just like this is life this is a then you're going to have a hard time moving through them because it's almost like it's evidence that of what you've already believed i mean it's irritating to have a problem right to have a what if you're trying to upload a book uh into um a printer system and the book and the book won't uh, uh, upload and you can't get through to support yeah I but mean, that's it's, the thing like it's frustrating it, it's it's it, a problem that happens right Ex- it does like what is the alternative we sit there with our problem and just get and we mad get stuck and, yeah. and or do we figure out okay this is happening uh, i haven't created it like this, you know, this isn't my fault, but I've got to figure out how to either improvise or how to move through this or how to solve this problem. But, and it is so satisfying to to solve um, a, a pretty difficult problem. When you do, mm-hmm. it's just like such a breakthrough. You just want to run through the house kind of just yelling at the As top you of did. your lungs. You just did like 20 minutes ago. Oh, I did? No. Or I don't, whenever. Well, okay. Our last question. This is our bonus question. Am I okay with ambiguity or in conflict around something? Am I okay with ambiguity? Yeah, this is what I want people to ask themselves. Or, Here's your bonus question. Okay. Are you okay with ambiguity? Are you okay when you have conflict around something? Oh, yes. So like this that. is a really, um, this is a step, a stage of adaptability, of adapting. And I think of it as ambiguity is kind of living in this middle space of when there is reality around you that is not what you want it to be, but there is no solution. There is no way to solve the problem. There is no no um, final, like, period on the end of the sentence. Oh yeah. That kind like you kind of have to be able to tolerate this tension, you know, tolerate the ambiguity of, I don't have an answer right now. 
this is this really sucks and this a lot feels of people terrible and a lot of people want certainty right right and they they want that final sometimes premature answer, answer. Um, sometimes I think you've, I think there's a psychological, it's some kind of foreclosure or something. It's early. Yeah. Well, our brain likes to, um, look for patterns and look for endings. And so we like to close the loop. Yeah. So we're always looking for ways to make sense of things that don't make sense. Like that's just what our brains do. So when you're in a situation that there is no loop to close, there is no ending, there is nothing here to nothing to do with that's where, um, I think this, you know, met mindfulness meditation practice can be really helpful. Um, like how, like giving yourself permission to sit in what you're experiencing without having to do something with it, which is a terrible feeling. Cause it brings up a lot of our brains create this for us. It brings up a lot of stress, a lot of tension, uh, because there's nothing for us to do with it. So that is a piece of this adaptability is um, s- finding a way to sit in that tension. And then oftentimes, yeah, we can move through it. Uh, we can find answers. We can look for opportunities. But there's there's a there's a tolerance for this kind of ambiguous place that, um, is, is really important too. I love that. You know, like, like all of the concepts of our, the pillars that we talk about with the big self school, um, this is learnable, it's achievable. Um, and you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it, it involves a lot of things. Like I think it involves, um, self-awareness. I think it involves like getting good with calm, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but, um, but it's its well, own and thing as, and, and resilience, of course, as we've said. Yeah, it's all connected, you know, and what we've, you and I've talked about is how does calm relate to adaptability, your ability to adapt. And I think calm is a piece of that. So ability, your Indeed. adaptability is this kind of larger kind of process of, and it has steps underneath it, you know, finding calm so that you can sit in tension, so that you can solve problems and improvise, so that you can move forward with a growth mindset. Like that's kind of the steps that I see are part of adaptability. That's awesome. That is, that well, is, thank you. No, that is really good <laughs> stuff. Why don't you could end us too with your Charles Darwin quote, but, um, but you know, I just want to say too, like every it's, it's, I feel this, um, tendency or this, this, this need to always say it's easier said than done, but that's the truth of all of of the concepts, right? These are theoretical concepts about like, it's, it is easier to articulate than to live out. It's none of this is easy. There's a million things pulling at you. They, they're going to take a toll. I mean, we're all suffering with our relationships at times. We're struggling with our work, our obligations, lots of things clamoring for our attention and you know we it is being demanded of us that we be more adaptive yeah so here's the thing the yeah. last thing i want to say yeah. is that our lives are laboratories for us to work this stuff out we do not have to manufacture or engineer any kind of scenarios so that we can really learn these skills so that we can have a meaningful thriving life 
life is our laboratory. Like if you're open and you're looking around, there are time, there are ways all around you to really practice the skills that we talk about, especially adaptability right now. Well, I mean, that was the quote right there. Jessica, are you listening? <laughs> we need to let her know right there was what so, you just said. Our lives are laboratories. You just, that, you just came up with that. I did. Cause it's true. We don't have to go look for this stuff. Just be aware of this stuff. It's happening all around us with your kids, with your partners, with colleagues, with yourself. If we're just open to what is coming at us, then we get all kinds of opportunities to practice um, all of this. <laughs> oh yeah. So I wanna end on this quote. Let's do this. This is from Charles Darwin. He says, it is not the strongest or the most intelligent who, are, who will survive, but those who can best manage change. Well, that's good news for a lot of us. Right? <laughs> We're doing our best. Thank you for tuning in to the Big Self Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, join the community on Facebook at the Big Self Society. You can find us at big underscore self on Twitter. And we are also at the Big Self Society on Medium, where we feature and curate content on topics ranging from psychology to creativity and productivity. We'd love to hear from you. What show made an impact on your thinking, your habits, your decision making, or anything else? And anyone you'd like us to reach out to and have on the show, let us know.